Welcome to day two of Insights and Intuitions with Pondering AI. In this short take, Yona Velker reflects on diversity and accessibility in AI. Well, welcome back, Yona. Thank you so much. Now, I think it's fair to say, since you and I talked a year or two ago, that quite a bit has changed. And certainly over the last year, there has been a huge amount of activity and developments, uh, both in the space of regulation and also with the public-facing deployment of things like ChatGPT, generative AI, and so on. Looking at this through the lens of increasing accessibility, diversity, what have been the most important or impactful developments over the last year? Interesting question. So first of all, for me personally, uh, regulators are too focused on generative AI, in my view, uh, because with generative AI, they explore that there are some risks, but actually these risks existed even before. And now, for me, there's too much specific attention about large language models. And for instance, recently we worked with the World Health Organization on report generative AI in healthcare. And with UNESCO, generative AI in education. And I'm wondering why only this? Mm-hmm. Why you do not talk about social robotics, a lot of assistive technologies? There are a lot of different technologies which require some kind of a clarity, uh, feedback loop uh, between policymakers and technologies, startups, entrepreneurs. So for me, it's kind of a growing attention to AI regulation on one hand, but at the same time, it's kind of disproportional. Once again, I don't want to say that it doesn't pose any kind of risks, but I just uh, want to bring the attention that there are different types of risks. And that's why a recent few years actually was focused on bringing this spectrum of risk categories, including unacceptable, high, low, minimum risk system, including how this risk actually is specific and unique for different groups of people, different cases, different areas, how is specific for healthcare, for education, for workplaces. And one of the biggest, I think, achievements was our work with OECD. So they work on the repository of the startups and technologies related to AI for assistance mm-hmm. and disability, assistive technologies. So finally, they're focused not just abstract regulation, but actually some kind of a connection with the entrepreneurs, uh, technologists, and kind of a bottom-up vertical of uh, understanding what's happening in this market, actually. And this October, they released the report and the list of these technologies over 120. And I hope it will help to build the actually more practical dialogue, not just talking about how we can maybe restrict some technologies, but actually understand the nature of bias, nature of risks. Is it more about social issues? Is it more about lack of literacy, maybe? Or maybe we need to introduce new roles, new functions, change how we we see the technical teams, maybe. So that's what I expect and what is gradually happening. So for instance, recently and currently there is a work presented by UNESCO focused on data and AI literacy mm-hmm. and literacy of AI in education. Once again, it was written by generative AI risks, but, <laughs> but it's good that at least they now understand that risks actually presented by more social thing and maybe institutional limitation and maybe which 
something which already existed historically, and it's not specific for generative AI, and maybe not even specific to technology. It's specific for classrooms, for some social issues. And it's good to see uh, some statistic facts presented by uh, United Nations, UNESCO, presented by in actual reports and actual toolkits, and it's spread it across entrepreneurs, technologists, developers. So gradually it's happening, and I hope in the next year, uh, you will see many of these reports. So we had the opportunity to cooperate on some of them. And now we're slightly closer and closer to actual feedback loop between policymakers and technologists. Can you give us an example of the types of issues that are just not seeing the light of day that should be? Yes. So I think the main problem that government present the list of a type of a risks, but not the source mm-hmm. of the risks. So they talk about misinformation, potential manipulation, the areas that biometric system are not accurate for particular groups or a facial recognition systems, which can be biased against some groups. Uh, or if we introduce generative AI to classrooms, it can probably provide too easy questions uh, to, to students, limiting their creative and intellectual development. But they constantly address all of this list kind of to algorithmic issue. But it's not algorithmic issue. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a question of a curriculum. It's really a question how you see these tools. Uh, it's similar like a, to calculator. Calculator help you with uh, yeah. calculations, but you still need to understand the nature and the logic of mathematics uh, to solve some bigger mathematical problems. So I think what they still ignore is the nature of a particular historical problem. And it includes underrepresentation of specific groups at workplaces. So like uh, people with disabilities, unemployment for them is up to 70, 80 percent. These people are not involved in medical assessment. They are not involved in building some technologies. The public data sets related to smart cities or urban technologies, they gender blind. So they were mostly uh, driven by male uh, data sets because people believe it's a kind of a universal uh, thing, so you don't need to create different type of a citizen as a role model to build urban data sets. And there are so many kind of a a one-size-fits-all approaches which were used as a part, Mm -hmm. not just AI, as a statistic, urban design, different type of workplace, institutional design, which exist around the world. And until you actually change in this approach, uh, you can change AI. And there is no any problem with AI and algorithms because uh, the thing what I repeat again and again and again, AI brings so many benefits for people with disabilities, people who are marginalized. It helps to democratize access. It helps to create more adaptive learning, health experiences. So it's really more about uh, how we create the curriculums, how we evolve the literacy, how we introduce maybe new type of um, roles, uh, functions in technical teams, how we introduce bioethics or social scientists who help uh, with the such knowledge. For instance, when we work uh, on AI and robotics for autism, we have people in team who are uh, sometimes focused on supporting parents or providing knowledge to families and parents how to introduce this technology in proper way. Or if it's more about women health, we have a uh, professional focus on gender studies or, or and so on. There are so many 
broader understanding of how solutions should be implemented to serve humanity. And I hope uh, governments and technologists will use it in a proper way. So if you had the magic wand and, and could ask people to really focus on one thing, which is a completely unfair question, what would you like most to see happen explicitly over the next six months to a year? I think it can be one thing, uh, and that's why I'm constantly saying that my work is a free direction, is a technology, is a policy and adoption, and kind of a cultural awareness. Mm -hmm. So we're building portfolios, and we're building, let's say, curriculums, frameworks, and we create exhibitions, summits, festivals to demonstrate it to humanity. But if we could take only one thing, I would focus what I call assistive pretext. So assistive pretext uh, basically is a design philosophy that help us to understand that we create something. Is it technology, policy for, let's say, people with disabilities, after that, this innovation can serve everyone. So let's say if you create, create SMS, initially SMS was created for people with a hearing impairment, mm. but after that, it became a part of any mobile and smartphone. And there are many things which we create for people with autism, mental health disorders, special education. But after that, these algorithms can benefit everyone. And sometimes we create the policy or ethics framework, but knowledge which we use for such frameworks can benefit everyone because it helps us to build more diverse understanding of regulation, of a stakeholder's involvement. So I think it would be the main thing I would love to happen. People understand the power of this, of this intersectional impact. So it could be through a more complex stakeholder involvement or a broader portfolio of startups or maybe exhibitions which helped everyone, every stakeholder to understand the power of this emerging technologies serving everyone in policies. So that's why, for instance, last year we organized the summit in Saudi Arabia and brought many governments and technologists around the world, including Europe, United States, Asia Pacific, exactly for this thing. So we had like a TEDx type of talks with entrepreneurs. We had museums and people talk different languages, but basically addressing the same problem. What we can do now, what we we can do next and what type of red lines we would love to not cross to keep AI safe and human-centered. So that's exactly what I'd like to see globally. Fantastic points, Ariona. And thank you again for your time this morning. This was fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. It's fun to have you back. Uh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me. 12 Days of Pondering AI continues tomorrow. Subscribe now for more insights into what's happening now and what to expect next in the ever-fascinating world of AI.